This is 393. My name is Osani, also known as the OB, and I'm here at 101.5 UMFM today. I recently sat down with Snotty Nose Res Kids and interviewed them about the highs, lows, and lots of music, as well as their story and how they started up in the rap world. Snotty Nose Res Kids are a Canadian First Nations hip-hop group composed of Young D and Young Tribes. Their 2017 album, The Average Savage, was shortlisted for the Polaris Prize Award. Here is the interview. What was it? What was it like doing this album with so many members and uh, being uh, shortlisted for the Polaris? You talking about the Average Savage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like the Average Savage started like late, not late, like early 2017. You had this idea of like you put together like all these clips of things you heard in like Disney yeah. movies, like Pocahontas, and like. Kind of really, like, <laughs> really blew my mind at that point. I'm just like, oh, where's he going with this? Yeah. And then he went on to show me Savages. Yeah, and then the rest is history, man. And yeah. it's about majority of the year to get that album done. And then almost exactly a year later, we get nominated for Polaris. Mm-hmm. So it's really like a snowball effect, if you think about it. Yeah, but, and getting shortlisted for Polaris is a bit of a process. Uh, it started out with um, someone reaching out to us, reaching out to me on, on Facebook and asking what I thought about him nominating us for the shortlist because it takes someone to first, like, initiate that, right? And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, I was thinking, like, we were, like, in on this place, on the first prize. I mean, I was really too sure of the process. And then I went and Googled, like, the whole process, like, long list, short list. And having to get through that first phase of like um, the first phase of like even getting onto the long list, and then when we got onto the long list, it was just like a like that alone was a surreal feeling, and I thought that um, that was going to be it. And then I seen a lot of talk around um, the average savage about it being like possibly winning the players' prize, and when we got shortlisted, like it was like a surreal feeling. Yeah, I really um yeah, I really appreciate that album for the for the message and I, I really like that album as uh put together like a whole project. I was wondering, um, did you get to personally work with all these people individually in the studio or how did how did that work? Did you have people in mind and you just kinda like sent for out? For the average savage, we actually recorded that whole project in Hazleton B C. I was living there at the time and Darren ended up coming and stay with me for about three weeks. And we got that whole album recorded. And all the features on that album were done out of town. Like, we, we had no part in that. But we, we reached out to them through the year of 2017. So, like, from, like, early, I would say probably January of 2017, I started putting together the features for that and started reaching out to all the people and just telling them what, what songs I wanted them on and what I wanted the songs to be about. And everyone was like really down to do this record with us, and that was before we had any like any pull on the, in the hip hop scene. Like no one really knew who we were, but they were still down to work with us, which was pretty cool. So the average savage was sort of your was your first studio album that was uh, planned to that degree with features and promoting it and. Uh... Yeah, like there, there's always been like plans for us, but uh, the first self-titled album, Snotty Nose Res Kids. That was just me and Darren. Like, we didn't know anyone in the city of Vancouver, and we didn't know anyone in the hip-hop scene. Like, we were just kind of, like, brand new to this whole thing. 
So that album was a lot of getting raw emotions off of our chest and really expressing ourselves for who we were at the time. And The Average Savage was a lot different than that in, in terms of being able to plan it. How did uh, how did rap uh, rap start for both of you? Like going going all the way back. Well, I think you both started writing off with poetry, and that kind of just escalated over the years in high school. But it came down to me taking this, this audio engineering and music production program out in uh, North Vancouver, hmm. and I learned how to work Pro Tools. I learned how to set up and work the studio that they have there, and. You know, me and Q just started recording there. He's like the only guy that I that I knew personally that rapped. So me and him just started making track after track, and again, it was kind of like a snowball effect. And to pull it back even further than that, we actually had like a, our own rap group with a couple of our cousins back in the day. We recorded tracks at Darren's house when we were probably like what, like 13 years old. We were, yeah, we were pretty young, like just recording songs just for fun, and then putting them out on CDs and. Uh, in our hometown, and people were kind of like vibes for our music when we were kids, too. Nice. So, so you got a lot of support from the community, and you'd say? Yeah, like, we definitely wouldn't be where we're at without our community. Hmm. So, so I was wondering, the Snotty Res Kids at record, are some of those key verses wow, for that Snotty Nose Res Kids? Was like, was some of those verses... Ones that you have maybe done from a long time ago, and then but you put on a record, sort of like pay homage to that younger self, or was that, or was Nine Nose Res Kids an, a record that you just sat in the studio and sort of made? I mean, I think our our writing style and skills have like evolved so much since we started that we haven't put any of our old writings on on wax on in, in recent years. We keep a notepad full of rhymes at all times, just to just to have in case like we run into writer's block or anything like that. But no, I, I wouldn't say that we did that. So who does who does the the beat making for you right now? Do one of you also do the productions for the for beats as well, or do you outsource uh, that? I wish. <laughs> now we just been getting our beats online. Hmm. Uh, like for the first album, we worked with like a lot of leases, so like we leased a lot of the beats. Because when you're an up and coming artist, if you try buy something exclusive when you don't really have any money, it's like an arm and a leg, you know. So we used to trip about like, oh, I used to trip about it at least like, oh, like we gotta have it exclusive, we gotta do this because like I took music business in that yeah. music program, right? Yeah, and. What we learned over time is like the fans aren't gonna really trip over whether or not we own the beat. What matters is is a dope, you know. And uh, producing is definitely something in my long term goal. Mm-hmm. But for now, like we're still sticking to the formula of getting our beats online. And just to add to that as well, um, like Darren said, we used to release our beats. Um, this record is the first record that we've been on where all our beats are uh, purchased exclusively through producers from Atlanta, the UK, and like all over America. Do you like follow these people on Instagram, or do you do you make like the connection via the web first, or how do you go about um, buying beats exclusively online? Over the last, like Darren said, like over the last two years of we've been making music, we've been working with. Um, different producers from BeatStars. That's the website. 
and we actually made connections with a few of the producers that we've been working with. One goes by the name of uh, Cato. He's out of Atlanta, and he produced like quite a bit of our of our up and coming albums. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of his beats. He's a really good producer. That's awesome that you got to work with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's dope. And he's, like, probably uh, produced a good chunk of our album for us. Me, personally, I'm a pretty uh, pretty big, like, music nerd myself. But, uh, yeah, so this interview is also for other people that want to listen. Um, so, so I guess my next question is uh, just about the Trans Mountain Pipeline and how do you... Because uh, right, right now it seems like no matter how much protesting gets done, um, it, it just seems really, I guess, disheartening. How do you, how do you balance that, or how do you, how do you still remain to have hope? Or I mean, with everything that's going on around like social media and what's going on in our in our homelands right now, it's really hard to stay positive. Uh, we stay positive by the people that we surround ourselves with. You know, like we all have that same vision. We all have. The same, the same. We all hold ourselves in the same way, yeah. And our values are all in the same place. So by surrounding ourselves with like-minded people, it's, it makes it a little easier for us to to deal with what's going on in our communities and stuff like that right now. So, so do you feel like being, because uh, because I, I know your music talks about the um, trans ma- ma- mountain pipeline. Do you feel like it's that it's a balance between, or how how do you or like balance between going and you know being in being actually there like protesting and then also going and trying to do trying to you know whether you have like family or try to make do what it needs to be done outside of um of being on the ground level yeah i mean we can we do what we can you know like um uh, a few years ago, I went to Lilo Island, and I was there for a week around Christmas break when they when they needed when they needed me. So they called me up and asked me to come and uh, occupy their territory while uh, a lot of them had to go to their families for Christmas vacation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I stepped up when I need to be when I need to step up. Yeah. And, um, without being on the front lines, a lot of things that people like us can do, artists and like-minded artists, is we sell fundraisers. So we do what we can to to pull in money for, say, like legal fees or any kind of like um, uh, legality battles that they have to go through. So yeah. We raise funds for that. And when the whole Standing Rock thing was going on, same thing with Blue Lions, uh, I, I, me and Dan probably put together like three or four different separate fundraisers and raised quite a bit of money for those for their legal battles. And just this last weekend, um, Darren and his partner. Um, put together a, a fundraiser for the unit Silicon camp out in West Silicon territory, and they raised around like $8,500 in one night. So those are things that we can do, and those are things that we actually take pride in, in doing for our for our people when we can't be on the front lines. And think, so things like that, that those kind of things are what like we're able to stay positive over. Yeah. And, like, brings together a community where it doesn't seem like going so well for for our people when we're looking at that at a bigger scale through, like, social media or, yeah, mainly, like, Facebook, you know? Yeah, I feel like I feel like social media is good for that at some point, at uh, this point, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of world tragedies weren't able to be solved 
because the media was only portraying one thing. Do you feel yeah. like you've gotten a lot of uh, help from the media, or has it all just been like social media that's been uh, been able to help? I mean, you you see what it's like. Yeah. Um, the headlines are always one-sided, and it's leading towards more of like a like a colonial way than being ever on our side. You know, the headlines are always one-sided, in, in my opinion, and that's all I can really say about that. And yeah, they like they tried to cause division between between our people and um, like colonial society and our our between them and our people. Like they always try and um, create a bit of like controversy. How did you and um, Young D started rapping about? Uh, like, did you were you always rapping about political issues or issues that? that stuck out to you and uh, affected you, or was that, or is that something that is recent? Or like... uh, no, that came over time. Yeah. Uh, actually, we didn't really start doing that until we moved to the city and moved away from home. Mm-hmm. So, like, Q moved to Vancouver, 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 like, a couple of years before I did. And then, just at that point, you know, like his hair started getting longer, and you know, it's halfway down his back. And then I'm moving to Vancouver with the buzz cut, and then I started growing my hair. And then, ironically, once our hair started getting longer, like we started really getting connected with ourselves and connected with the culture, connected with the land. And we started not being so materialistic and started thinking about what actually matters to us. So, like, that all came over time, and it took us moving away from home to actually start talking about shit that we're talking about. So do you feel like now that you both are role models and um, do you have to be careful, I guess, who you rap with on uh, on certain projects now and uh, who you work with because you're, cause you're so influential and because you have such a, such a like, political message? or yeah. I'd say that to a certain degree. It depends on the project and it depends on the song. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to, like, watch who you're collaborating with because like I don't know I don't I don't really want to like say something I'll regret but <laughs> yeah like you definitely have to watch who you're collaborating with and you got to know people's people's histories you got to know like what they're about but yeah more importantly what they stand for when you're collaborating with people so how did you get into into trap music what what's your take on that on the news on the new school of beats is that something that, that you both are very passionate about, or if it was up to you, would you be rapping on like straight, like straight boom bap type beats? Um, me personally, I like both. You know, I always, I'll always have a love for the boom bap, but hip hop, like everything else, evolves, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't evolve, you evaporate. Yeah. So I do my best to keep an open mind when it comes to new music because everybody's still. There's a lot of artists that rap on, like, boom-bap beats. Like, yeah. not every artist raps on trap beats, right? But it's just a matter of finding that right artist. And we've done, you know, boom-bap tracks in the past. Mm-hmm. And we really gravitated towards, you know, the new sound because we, we wanted to evolve. And a lot of thing about, like, those trap beats, like, it's hype, right? It's high energy. And that's a really good representation of our shows. We do our best to keep it high energy and make everyone just have a good time. Forget about their problems for it. 
hour or whatever. Sweet. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you both so much. Listen, 101.5 UMFM. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, bro. All right. Have a good one.